Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, craft beer and film podcast. My name is Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. On today's episode, it is a uh, generational intersection as we discuss the latest film starring both Denzel Washington and John David Washington, his son. I'm, of course, referring to the neo-noir crime thriller, The Little Things, from director John Lee Hancock, which came to streaming exclusively on HBO Max this weekend, and the newest from Euphoria writer slash director Sam Levinson. Malcolm and Marie stars John David Washington and Zendaya and made its streaming debut on Netflix on February 5th. And since no proper film discussion is complete without adequate lubrication, we will return to the chilly banks of Snake River on the western border of Wyoming to the little town of Alpine for a visit to Melvin Brewing. Originally established in Jackson, Wyoming back in 2009, Melvin hasn't graced our podcast beer fridge since November 2018, way back in episode 98, when we drank their renowned double IPA called 2x4. How will their beers, back into haze and velvet rut, hold up under the keen eye of our fresh hops in a scrutiny? Stay tuned to find out. <laughs> but first things first, Johnny Summers, uh, tell all these fine folks, number one, where they can find us on social media, number two, uh, where they can send their electronic love letters, and number three, how they can take some of that hard-earned cash and give it to us. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Definitely subscribe. You want this in your feed every mm-hmm. week. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, at Fresh Hop Cinema, letterboxed and untapped, at Fresh Hop Cinema. You can email us at fhccast at gmail.com, and you can support us financially on patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. It is a really cool way. You can give us like as little as a buck a week. Um, it helps us keep the wheels from falling off. We do fun bonus content every single week. Just this last episode, mm-hmm. wait, before this episode, sure. I don't know when it happened. Sometime in the past, we recorded a top five uh, of uh, Denzel Washington roles in honor of the new film that we are doing this week. That will be dropping on Sunday, yes, sir. the 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, all you patrons. We got you a Denzel-shaped present. If you're not on Patreon, you're missing out. So get on, check it out. Yeah, we've really sort of doubled down on structure uh, as of the new year, and we're, we're doing top fives pretty regularly. We're doing different beer reviews that we don't cover on our main episodes here. We're also newly into a series that we're calling Making Movies 101. We have covered what a producer means and sort of all the different types of producers. And we'll be going, uh, moving forward, talking about all the different roles that go into making movies that maybe we're not familiar with just off off of our natural instincts of seeing movies as average moviegoers. So it's a lot of fun. Like Johnny said, it's patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. You can give us a dollar a week, totaling a massive $4 per month and get access to all that stuff going back all the way to 2016. Um, I think that's all the housekeeping I had at the top. Johnny Summers, Melvin Brewing, talked about it briefly. It's been a while since we covered their stuff. Um, and we're doing two beers from them today. Do you want to tell me about the first? Back into Haze. It's a New England style IPA. It's got a sweet break dancer on the cu- on the front of the can. He's break dancing on top of a keg with a big <laughs> ghetto blaster. It's dope. Really sweet can. I love it. Uh, it is a six and a half percent New England style IPA. From their website, with let's see, it says, Back into haze of the TMU days, we were dropping fresh loads of hops into our beers after the boil, and even more in the fermenter. People thought we were crazy. Why would you do 
wait, where'd it go? Words are hard. Why would you waste so much money on hops? Turns out we were making beer from the future. Now they call it cold pooling and DDH. My, how times have changed, but we're still blasting IPAs with juicy flavors for the hop heads. Things are just a bit hazier. We lay down this crushable groove with Sabro, Citra, and Mosaic hops, bringing tropical flavors to keep your taste buds dancing. That's right. You said something uh, back in the, you started off by saying back in the haze of the TMU days, and that got me wondering what the heck that meant, so I did a little bit of digging. Um, And if you don't know this about Melvin, like I said sort of in the intro there, they were started in Jackson in the back of a Thai food restaurant, and the Thai food restaurant was called Tie Me Up, fun pun. Um, And that's where it started, and they at one point in the past also made another New England IPA, Melvin did called uh, TMU Haze. So I'm assuming that's what this is a reference to. That description led me to believe that this will be a hoppy New England IPA, which leads me then to believe, Johnny Summers, this might be right up your alley. At 6.5%, potentially very approachable. We're seeing good things from those hops that you listed. I know we both like Mosaic and Citra. Sabro, I think I'm a little bit mixed on, but you never know. Have you had a chance to pour this? And if so, have you tried it? Uh, every time I hear Sabra hops, it makes me think of Sabra hummus, and I'm like, is this going to oh. need pita bread? It's very confusing. <laughs> and then I remember the office. that Sabro hops do not taste like hummus. Sure. That's so nice. It does, yeah, you could say it reminds you of the office, too, a little bit. That's where my brain goes. Yeah. So this is not nearly as hazy as I thought it was going to be. It is somewhat clear with, like, uh, unfilteredness happening. There's definitely a lot of, of like, particles in it it looks like there's stuff floating in it but like a lot of it yeah that's interesting must be just like hop sediment or hopefully something that won't kill me i don't know we'll find out uh i haven't tried it yet have you mm-hmm. yeah um, i sorry i was mid-drink i was my, my second drink there was a weird flavor that jumped out i had it um i i don't want to start this off this way but i can't help it um so i'll just say that my first drink caused me to frantically check the bottom of the can for a canning date mm-hmm. and almost disappointingly i can report that this is fresh it's about a month okay. a month uh maybe a month and a half old um which is great news for distribution potentially bad news for beer drinkers depending on what flavors you like and i'm sure we'll get into what we're tasting i assume that i've made this run on sentence long enough that you've also had a chance to try it oh yeah i've had a few sips thoughts uh it's well from the jump it's immediately underwhelming mm. uh, it it has like a nice bitterness and sweetness and stuff, but it just, it feels thin and watered down and it just doesn't really have much substance. There's not a whole lot of body to it. This kind of just, it's there for a second and then disappears. It's, there's really not, not a lot to this beer right now. I'm going to try it again, but it, I'm not picking up a lot of things going on. It does feel like, like it's going, yeah, like it's going for sort of a tropical thing, but it is so muddled and, and muted almost that, the moment I feel like I'm latching onto a flavor, like you're saying, it is gone. Like it just sort of disappears. And there is sort of a general heaviness to the flavor and the mouthfeel a little bit. Um, but yeah. if it's just very sort of, I don't know, wet and um, wet cardboardy sort of vibes. This beer tastes like it doesn't have much personality. Uh, I, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give this any personality awards. It's not standing out of the crowd at all. This is, this is very ho-hum. Maybe most shy. It's it's almost shy. It's yeah. like I've it's got a brown paper bag lunch. It's standing in the back. It's like <laughs> I want to get picked for for kickball, but just don't look at me. Oh God, don't look at me. Yeah, I'm gonna man. I'm gonna go through again. It, it's a really nice looking beer in my glass. I mean, it the, at least the head is. The, I guess there's not much to be said for the body either or the color. It just kind of looks like a, I almost like a 
an unfiltered apple cider color going on. Do you have that in your glass too? Yeah. Yeah, it looks I mean it, it looks like it's not trying to rustle any feathers. Yeah, this this is not. There was no risks taken here. No. Um and I don't think it's fundamentally a good enough beer to rely on its simplicity to carry it. Totally. I think it needed to be a little bit more. If you're going to be this simple, you need to be outstanding. Yeah, uh, I, or go ahead, sorry. Or give me more hops or more substance, you know. You're, you're touting a lot of hops in it, but I'm not picking up a major hop presence. And there's also not enough of the things that would make it a New England style IPA. Totally. Or a hazy IPA for it to stand out to that stylist style either. So for me, this beer is it's trying to walk a line and have its feet in two styles. And it does not have firm foundations in either. And I think at the end of the day, this beer is just a miss. I'm bummed. I, I meant to. I mean, I actually specifically decided not to because I didn't want to be biased, but now I kind of wish that I had gone back and listened to what we said about their double IPA that we covered back in 2018, their two by four. It was a, it was a huge beer. I think it was 10%. And my inclination was to think that we enjoyed it. Uh, but I don't know, man, there's a, there's a good chance it could have just been a miss too. So I think if, if nothing else we're putting, um, we're going to be putting velvet rut later on in the show, uh, on, on some, uh, it's going to be carrying a lot of, of the weight of this brewery, I think. But do you have any, any more thoughts on this before we give it a rating? I know I want to try it at least one more time. Well, I think it's nice that we haven't done this brewery in so long. That's kind of why we try and give it at least like nine months, at least like a year, ideally before we revisit a brewery, because you know, we might not have liked it. We might've loved it. I don't remember. So it's nice to be able to go into this beer with, kind of fresh, unbiased taste buds and just decide with objectivity that this is not that great. Unfortunately, that's the result. But it's nice to just know that we weren't super biased by anything we thought of of the past beer. Um, I will say that this beer is not offensive in any way. I don't think it's too bitter, like bad bitter tasting. I, I just want more. I don't know. I think I'm, we're spoiled to just having a better quality of beer. But if you want like a really mellow, not strong flavor that's higher ABV than like five, I mean, this beer would be fine. But like, I don't know, maybe this would be a good beer, for example, for taking to a party where people don't normally like craft beer, something like that. Um, but for me, my perspective, I drink beer every week for this show, plus my personal time. Uh, I want something with a bit more backbone, more personality. I want a beer to know what it is and what it's trying to do. And I need that conveyed to me in a way that translates to my taste buds. And overall, this is a miss for me. I'm going to rate it because that was everything I wanted to say before I rated it. So for me, this beer is like a 4.2. Max, tell me your final thoughts and give this sucker a rating. Yeah, um, that was all great. I, I agree with most of what you said. I cannot by any stretch of the imagination endorse this beer or suggest people go out and buy it. Um, so I'm also towing that line sort of between whether or not I even want to finish what is left of my 12 ounce can. And I'm, I'm leaning towards maybe, um, but I've been taking smaller and smaller sips. So I don't know, man. I think I'm going to end. Ooh, oh, no, I think I'm going to end on a three. Yeah, I'm gonna go three yeah. out of ten. Yeah, I can't go higher. It's 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 not it's not good. I suppose is the is the most direct way of saying that it's not good. That's so, the real bottom line here. Three out of ten for me. Four point two for you. Back into haze. Melvin Brewing. We are gonna put that brewery on a quick break, worth a chance for redemption later on in the show. But in the meantime, <laughs> we, we'll see how it goes. You know, I, li I, I like the, the, the little silver lining of hope. 
Their chance of redemption is a smoked porter. <laughs> I know, which is all, an imperial smoked porter, mind you. So Ooh. it could go either way. I'm excited. Um, can I play you, Johnny Summers, a trailer in a moment for a film called Malcolm and Marie? Would you mind if I did that? Please play that. Okay, then uh, a quick warning. It is it is on Netflix. We're not going to spoil anything. So if you haven't seen it, don't worry about it. Um, but we'll discuss it here in just a minute. In the meantime, here is that trailer. You are by far the most excruciating, difficult, stubbornly obnoxious woman I've ever met in my entire life. I fucking love you. Oh, he's so sensitive. He's romantic. Very sweet, right? Well, I mean, yeah. When he's not being an emotional fucking terrorist. Oh. <laughs> I love the way you see the world, Marie. Mystery. The unknown. It's what supports the tension of a relationship. You're angry. No. The what if factor. Marie. 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 What if there's someone who loved them better? Give me your pain. Give me your sorrow. Malcolm, I feel like once you know someone is there for you and once you know they love you, you never actually think of them again. It's until you're about to lose someone that you finally pay attention. Well, what is it, Marie? What do you want? Really? Do you want to go there? Yes. Okay. I will carry you. I will carry you. You want control. Because you can't imagine the reason I'm with you is because I love you. Everything that you've been through, everything, that's what made you you. The girl that I love, the girl that I fuck with. I will carry you. All I wanted tonight was thank you, Malcolm. That is it. You know that I'm thankful. You know that I made a mistake. So why turn it into something more? Because it's about how you see this relationship. Look at me. I'm the last person standing. I will carry you. Hold on to me for dear life. Again, that was a trailer for Malcolm and Marie. It was written and directed by Sam Levinson, who is most, I think, widely known for being a creator of Euphoria, a show that Johnny and I both really like. Johnny, I'll give you credit for seeing Euphoria first and turning me onto it in the first place. Um, in a minute here, we'll discuss whether or not we think Malcolm and Marie is up to the same um, creative echelon of something like Euphoria. But I will say, first off, this came to Netflix on February 5th of this year. It runs about an hour and 45 minutes long. It's filmed in this very intense black and white, and it takes place over the course of one <clears throat> evening after John David Washington's character has debuted his screening of his new film and his girlfriend, played by Zendaya. They come back to their place, and they have... An evening of heated discussions. I suppose we'll start there. Um, I always feel weird trying to give my my initial thoughts after sort of opening with a monologue, but I'm happy to do it. Johnny, is there anything in particular you want me to talk about as I give you my initial thoughts on this movie? I just want to know what you thought and if I should watch it. Sure. Or if people should watch it, because I watched it. Yeah, so I don't know exactly what I expected going in. I, I knew that I really liked these two actors. I think 
the last thing I saw John David Washington is in was Tenet probably this year. And then Zendaya was the uh, Rue sort of special episode of Euphoria. So I was really excited to watch it from, from that perspective. And also like, I like Euphoria and I think Sam Levinson does a good job. I will say, um, I, I don't know. It's a super meta movie and there's a lot to be said about sort of the direction of creativity and who is allowed to be creative and, and why people should bother. Um, and some of that stuff didn't necessarily work for me, but what did stick out and the reason I will recommend people watch this is because I think both of the two leads are phenomenal. They there's, there's tons of extended monologues and, and moments for them to really play off each other, which I feel like, um, is sort of a staple of Levinson's work that happens a lot in euphoria. It's one of the things that drew me into that show. Um, there, there's a degree that I had of like, not total like arms in the air, like why did this exist? But it does not take a totally um, hard stance on, on um, maybe that's not the right way to phrase it. It's not a linearly plot driven action sort of movie. It's, it's all about dialogue and the feeling and the vibe that you get watching this movie. And I think that if you don't like the first 20 minutes of it, you're not going to like the next hour and 25. Um, so I would say give it a shot and definitely check it out. Those are sort of my initial thoughts on it. You said just briefly, Johnny, that you you did watch it. Yeah, I did watch it. Um, and I went in with the same thing. I didn't know that the dude from Euphoria had a hand in it. Mm. That makes sense, though, seeing Zendaya. Sure. Um, I went in and was like, I'm going to give it 10 minutes. If it grabs me, we're going to watch it because I was not in the mood for a drama last night sure. at all. Okay. So I'm like, me and Shalina sat down to watch it. So we'll give it like 10, 15 minutes, see how it goes. Well, we watched the whole thing, only took one break, and we didn't even like have a dialogue about whether we should turn it off or not. It was oh. just like, oh, we're in. Okay. This was, yeah. Uh, I respected it for the writing in that it was not a predictable drama-like plot. It did not... Go into any of the pitfalls of like a silly romantic drama, right, or right, like right. you know, it, the the plot was so unique that I felt like it really drew me in just because of what they were writing about and the problems that these two people were debating and discussing was something I'd never seen before. So I really gave it huge points for originality, and I did go into it knowing that it was based on a play, so I was expecting just intense one room interaction. You're telling me that for the first time. Oh really? Yeah. What? Who? What? I'm gonna need some more information if you have it handy now. That'd be great. But if not, I do need to know at some point. It was direct, it was adapted from a play. I believe so. We talked about it because we were like something, something, something. And you're like, yeah. And the movie next week also was based on a play. I thought you told me that. Mm, negative. I think you m might be conflating two different things. I'm not positive. Um, but as far as I knew, this was this was an original screenplay by Sam Levinson. Hmm. I could be wrong. I'm sure we'll find out in a couple minutes here. Um, yeah, so like there's a particular, I think it should be pointed out, a very particular aesthetic and, and vibe here. Like obviously it's in black and white. There's been, like we covered Mank. I think that was our last totally black and white film. But this one is is very, very gritty and grainy. And they commit to that. And I'm, I'm wondering if seeing that was part of the reason you stuck around. or Did, did the whole kind of vibe work for you or, or were you just sort of dealing with it because you liked the rest of it? Um, I liked the way it looked a lot. I liked the black and white. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I did too, man. There, I mean, 
also like, I'm going to look it up here too, but like the director of photography here, there's some great shots, particularly early on. There's like a, it's gotta be like six minutes. There's this sort of, uh, it's like a dolly shot from the outside of the house that goes, uh, left to right and then right to left again and follows John David Washington's character as he's kind of pacing, getting home from this film premiere. And it's great. There's a lot of those sort of establishing shots where, where you can tell from the get that the people that created this movie really care about their sort of their creative trajectory in terms of what they're giving their audience, which I really liked. Yeah, definitely. I was, I was on crack. It was not based on a play. Okay, great. Good to clear that up. Um, also, yeah, I liked it though. And I would say recommend watching it. Yeah, man. I, I think there's a, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff to be had here. Um, if, if you do find that you're a little bit sort of tired of the, it's, but you know, it plays out as an argument for an hour and 45 minutes and there's highs and lows and they are very high and very low. And you definitely have to be in the mood for you that. Absolutely have to be in the mood. Like this is, this is, I, I don't know. I, I like what you were saying. And I, I think I'm in about, um, sorry about the, uh, sort of the realism of this. Like they have, this is, this is how people argue sometimes granted this has turned up to 11, but like there's scenes where they're like yelling at each other from around the room. There's, there's, Oh man, I busted up. There's a point where John David Washington's character needs to find his wallet. And he's just like screaming. He's like, where's my fucking wallet? And she's like, did you check the bedroom? He's like, yeah, I checked the fucking bedroom. Did you check the, uh, whatever the bar? He's like, yeah. And then he finally finds it like mid. He's like, well, where's my f- I found it. She goes, where was it? He goes, it doesn't matter. <laughs> she's mm-hmm. like, cause you know, it's a thing that she told him to check. Uh, so there's like those moments of sort of realistic arguing dialogue. But then again, like this is a guy who, who has created a movie and is very much into sort of, high society and, and making films and that part of it's sort of unaccessible to the average person, I think. Um, but I think a lot of it sort of finds this nice balance of what we all kind of see in ourselves sometimes when we argue, like I've been in not that extreme, but like I've seen those sides of me when I argue, like when you step back, you see this one person saying something and they might be using a specific set of words. But if you take a second and listen, she's clearly saying, I don't feel appreciated. And if you take a step back, you're like, well, that's what she's saying. But if you're in the moment, you're that person, you're like, oh, what do you mean? I don't appreciate you. And then it just goes back and forth. And that sort of emotional roller coaster that happens is very exhausting in this movie. So that's my only caveat. If you're not up for that, save it for a moment that you are. Good enough. Okay. Malcolm and Marie, it's on Netflix. If you get a chance to watch it, let us know. We'd love to hear your feedback. Johnny Summers, do you have anything more on that film until uh, or before we move into our film of the week? Nope, I'm good. Okay, then. We're going to get into the little things. We're going to play your trailer for that. Same deal. We're not going to spoil it without giving you plenty of heads up. Um, so let's just do it. Let's roll the trailer, yeah? You know him, didn't you? Then you had that one little feeling. But you waved it away. You should have listened to that one little feeling. Just like I'm listening to you now. You can talk to me. I'm all a friend. You're not exactly a department favorite. Things probably changed a lot since you left. You still got to catch him, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that much has changed then, right? <laughs> I can assure you all we are taking a 24-7 all-hands-on-deck approach to these cases. The guy's a shark. If he stops, he dies. He likes to drive. Probably has a decent car, maybe two. High mileage. You must really like my car. I do. How's the trunk space? 
Something I gotta know. How's a guy with the best clearance rate in the department work 15 years without a promotion? Maybe I didn't go to the right church. When I look in your eyes, what I see, it ain't good. details, but he wasn't within 10 miles of the killing. Why is that? Why is that? How's the trunk space? What do you want? I want to nail the bastard. For who? For all of the girls he killed. Differences. I'm doing it for me. It's the little things, Jimmy. It's the little things that rip you apart. It's the little things that get you caught. That was a little old trailer for the little things. It was written and directed by John Lee Hancock, who also directed The Highwayman and The Founder. Uh, we did The Founder. Did we do The Highwayman? No, we didn't get to The Highwayman, but we did do The Founder, yeah. In, in uh, I think it was episode 18, way back in, in the very early days of this podcast. It was the the McDonald's, okay. the, the Ray, oh, I almost know his name, Ray, uh, do you know, Ray? Oh, no, I don't remember. It was Ray. about the founding of McDonald's. I hate that guy. He died. They, this is the one movie I've ever seen where they, at the end of the movie, they put like Ray something passed away, and I, I was like silent, like yeah, that guy. Was Spoiler worse. alert! I mean, Jesus. 2016, man. <laughs> who's yeah, in Who's in the fair. little things? Um, so the little things stars Denzel Washington as Joe Deacon, Rami 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 Malik, <sighs> yeah, as Detective Jim Baxter, and Jared Leto as Albert Sparma. This uh, became the most watched film on HBO Max in its debut weekend. On 129, so just this last weekend. Uh, originally drafted in 1993 with Steven Spielberg in mind to direct. Uh, Spielberg passed, feeling the story was too dark. Uh, this movie runs a min- 127 minutes long. Yeah, it was longer than I expected. Um, and this is a movie, too. It's notable that this week we're covering, I think for the first time, two movies that came out in 2021. We will be jumping back to 2020 um, as we're wrapping up sort of the 2020 films of, of the year next week. But... Um, yeah, this is kind of the first dive into sort of what 2021 is offering in the world of cinema. I'm talking about the little things and Malcolm and Marie. Um, and I also want to point out this is exclusively streaming on HBO Max. Johnny, I think. What's you, Malcolm and Murray? Did I say Murray? Malcolm and Murray. Malcolm and Murray. St- it's, a, it's a different, it's a different movie. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think this was one that you put on our radar. Am I right there? Yes. So I'm going to throw it to you first. Um, thoughts in general. Or do you want to lay out the okay. plot a little bit? I know I don't have it written here. It might be worth if people haven't seen it yet to kind of know what it's about. Yeah, you know, I'll give you a little little rundown. So Lay Denzel Washington Denzel Washington as Joe Deacon is playing a deputy in a very remote sort of sheriff's department. We find out that he is kind of a former like LA County detective. Sure. Uh, and Rami Malik Rami Malik. We need to decide how to say I'm gonna his, say, his name. I'm gonna say Rami Malik. Rami Malik uh is a detective that kind of took his place uh, and then Jared Leto is a person of interest in some crimes. Sure. Denzel Washington has to go back to L.A. County to pick up some evidence and runs into uh, Baxter, like his doing his basically old job. And they kind of 
become ingrained in each other's lives and kind of start working together on some cases kind of off the books. And we'll, we'll leave it at that as far as the synopsis goes. So my thoughts on this movie. Uh, I thought that it was unique in some ways and a bit uh, preconceived in others. I enjoyed the way that this film focused on the psychology of the suspect and of like killers and criminals um, and equally is uh, focused on the psychology and the mental health of the detectives and the people that are solving these crimes and the different layers of effect that that has on their lives, sure. et cetera. So I really liked that aspect of this movie. I was not expecting... You see trailers for movies like this, and you almost automatically <laughs> expect like yeah. a a Hannibal Lecter type, you know, Silence of the Lambs or some sort of murder mystery. Uh, this movie was definitely outside the box of predictable when it came to plot. Uh, there was a couple scenes towards the end, which I won't spoil yet, but I was like, is this seven? What is happening right now? Dude, yeah. Uh, but there was yeah. also moments that were very unique. Uh, I think this is kind of a fresh take. Uh, and some fresh writing on a crime drama. I really enjoyed their focus on Denzel Washington and Rami Malek's characters and their personal lives and how a job like detective just seeing unspeakable shit all the time kind of affects a person going forward. There were different, definitely some new lenses looked out through this, and it was not nearly as linear or predictable plot-wise as I thought it was going to be. So in that regard, it was surprising. I wish they would have done more with certain characters, but then again, those are preconceived feelings uh, that would have just made this to be like a cookie cutter of Silence of the Lambs. Right. So for what it was, this movie was was an interesting approach on a pretty established genre, and I think overall I, I liked it. I'm not going to say I loved it, but I think I liked it. What about you? Okay, so... I, I mean, it, yeah, it's hard not to draw comparisons to like any Fincher crime stuff like seven for sure. Zodiac even kind of comes to mind. There's a scene where there is a presumably FBI sort of uh, profiler kind of giving a local precinct the rundown on like what to look for in a serial killer. And that just made me think of Mindhunter. Like, so I'll, I'll disagree with you. I'll say that I don't think there's anything new here almost at all. Like with the exception of a couple of things that happened at the end that we'll talk about in the danger zone, I think this movie is just sort of a comfortable return to form of sort of generic neo-noir crime thrillers. And I, that's probably fine. So do I think there was anything new? No, but did I enjoy it? No, no, I thought it was bad. I didn't like this movie. <laughs> um, I, I, this is harkening back to our bonus content with our top five Denzels. I stand by that no movie is made worse by having Denzel Washington in it. He is very good. He's doing way more heavy lifting than he should have to do in this script. He he plays Joe Deacon with some degree of nuance. And like, you can tell he's got some trauma in his history. And that becomes clear when he comes back to this LA County uh, department. Um, But like, Detective Jim Baxter, Rami Malek here is like not in any way, shape or form pulling off like the tough cop thing. The dialogue is really tough. There's a, there's a particular scene where like, like Denzel blocks him in his car and like tries to get it towed. And then Denzel's like, don't tow my car. Here's my badge. And then they become like enemies or something. And there's this great, stupid little montage where there's like a press meeting and Denzel comes into the back of the room and then 
Rami Malek's character is speaking and notices Denzel and like gives him this intense look. And then he walks by and some random dude then is like, Hey, that's, that's Joe Deacon. And Jim Baxter, Rami Malek's character is like, Oh, I've heard of him, I guess. And then they meet at a diner and he tries to pull the, like, Hey, I hear things too about you, Joe Deacon. And like, he just doesn't pull off that character to me. I, I tried to get on board and I couldn't, um, Jared Leto's fine in this too. Like, I don't know, man, for me, it was just all so predictable. And and by the time the end came around, I was almost too disenfranchised to really care. That's fair. I just, I, I would rather watch seven again. Yeah. But seven's also an amazing movie that was, mm-hmm. you know, 25 years before this. I don't, I don't know. It's what's funny to me is that you mentioned in the, in the intro that this, this film was originally written in 93. Um, and I wonder what would have happened if this had come out in like 94 and then seven came out in 95. I think it's when it came out. Um, might've been preaching a different tune, but not the right analogy, but you get the point. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Denzel's fine. He does, he does enough with what he's working with, but I, for me, I just, I felt super cold on this. Yeah. I agree completely about Rami Malik. I honestly don't like him very much at all. <sighs> I felt like he was doing his mouth thing back even in this, like more than he should have, you know, like from Bohemian Rhapsody when he had the fake teeth. I feel like he was yeah. still acting like he had the teeth in his mouth. And also Denzel's got a bit of an overbite as he gets older. He like sucks his bottom lip into his sort of top lip. Throws yeah. me off too. But but yeah, I, sorry. Keep going. That was it. I just, I really didn't like him. I would have liked that role cast differently. He just, I don't know. Like I get that he's sort of <clears throat> a young, new kind of detective, but and it's probably a lot to blame his dialogue, but also just sort of the way it was shot and his performance. Just don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy that. He's sort of this hardcore detective. Not a I chance. I was going to say, you kind of have to be like a tough guy to, you know, be a tough guy. Yeah. Or at least like, go through enough stuff. Like we were talking about, um, you know, training day on our, on our top mm-hmm. five, like Ethan Hawke was not necessarily a tough guy, but by the end of that movie, he's, he's gone through some stuff. Yeah. Exactly. But you're walking into this character of, of, of Rami Malik and he's supposed to be like tough, grizzled, like yeah. lead detective. And it's just like, first of all, he's not physically intimidating at all. He's a little dude. Totally. Like, and like, it's just hard for little dudes that look, sorry, looks kind of nerdy. Like, sure. He's not an intimidating person. And like him trying to say tough stuff is just laughable right but that's not to say it's impossible because i will raise you joe pesci in goodfellas or basically any mm. joe pesci We're like he's a little nah. dude but like fuck you I joe buy Pesci's it. a crazy crazy motherfucker i, I know every that's what every i'm saying tough guy yeah absolutely um okay can we talk jared leto for a minute performance do you want to just rate this and get into spoilers so we can really talk about it i want to say two more things um okay the movie does try to toe this weird line between like, of course, gritty sort of crime drama, but there's like comedic elements thrown in that kind of at first worked for me. But then I was like, they lost me by like 20 minutes in. There's a pretty funny scene where in the beginning, the movie opens with a girl being chased on a highway by another car. And then she pulls off and runs around this diner. And then I thought it was the same diner, but now that I'm saying it out loud, it might've been something different. Um, anyways, some kids have been vandalizing this diner. They've been throwing rocks, at an LED sign that knocks out the G in Black Angus. Then we get a cutaway and it says Black Anus. It's clearly meant to be a joke. And there's a few of those like random little jokes peppered in, which was a strange move because it just felt like they didn't know where they were going with the tone of this movie. Did you find that at all? Yeah. I was like, okay, why is this funny? Right. Like, or like, why is this joke in here? 
Yeah, if it was supposed to be like darkly comedic the whole time, the rest of the script didn't reflect that. Hundred percent, and and sort of in that same vein, there's once we do start paying attention to Jared Leto's character, this happens at least three times. We'll be in the car with uh, Denzel most of the time, tailing him, and he'll turn on the radio. Denzel will, and there'll be like a song on the radio about like you gotta catch your man, gonna follow your man wherever he's going. It's like I don't know, man. Like it it took away a lot of sort of like the creepy mystery vibes and just like i don't are we just doing like a kids bop sing-along thing of what's happening in this movie it was strange i don't know it was weird for me yeah it was a little on the nose and that that affected the tone big time 100 percent. um okay yeah so my final thoughts right before i rate is like i think overall this is a pretty bad movie denzel does a fine job it tries to tie everything in a nice sort of new ish bow but by the time it ties it i'm i'm already i'm already off this wagon so i'm gonna come out pretty low I think I'm going to end up, ooh, oh, man. No, it can't be that bad. Maybe it is. No, I'm going to give it a, f- mm. why don't you go first? I'm not sure. Nope. Ah, I didn't enjoy it. I don't think it was good at what it was trying to do. The only redeeming factor really was Denzel Washington and kind of. And all right, I'm going to go three. I'm going to go three out of 10. Okay. Pretty low. Lowest I've yeah. done all year, certainly. Yeah, it is. Uh, the year is still young. Yeah. What but, about you? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I did think it tried to do some things differently. I don't think it necessarily worked. Uh, there was, like I said, some casting issues that I can't stand Remy Malik. Um, Denzel, pretty much only redeeming thing about this. I would have been happy without Remy Malik. And if this was just like an interplay between Leto's character and Washington's character, um, they could have done more with Jared Leto as well. I, I was mm-hmm. like, I feel like he was massively underutilized in this movie. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty lukewarm to cold on this as well. It, it came out like a 3.8 for me. Yeah, okay. Uh, you want to spoil some stuff? Go to the Danger Zone? Let's do it. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Okay, so, so, I don't exactly want to start with my thoughts on the ending but I do have some. Um, let's go with what you were saying. Jared Leto could have used him more. What did you think they could have done differently? Well, I mean, his whole plot progression, it was all alluded to. I don't like the way that it was just, we kind of figured out that he did it, but they didn't give us, they gave us some proof, but like not a lot of proof because I there was, I, I don't think there was actually any proof because you find out at the end that the beret was fake. Mm-hmm. So like the dude was guilty of, keeping newspaper clippings he was like obsessed with cops like who knows if he was actually guilty or not so like i didn't like the vagueness and like with a crime drama you want a resolution to the crime we got that but not in a punitive law and order kind of way Mm -hmm. i mean it ended the way it did and it wasn't satisfying it wasn't cathartic it felt like it ended that way on accident and then it was just a bummer after that and so it was like yeah and the, the characters were bummed about it too so it's just like yeah. oh rami malik killed him and now he's all sad and depressed and hates his kids shout out to chris gomez who cut my hair today he i, I mentioned to him also patron of the show so thank you also chris for the haircut and for supporting us um he mentioned that he had also just watched this i told him we were covering it for the podcast and he said something very similar like i just you know i don't like that it was possible that the the killer was still at large by the end of this movie. And I, I don't know. I was thinking about that. And now hearing you say it too, I actually think 
that that's one of the stronger points of the movie. I'm going to try to make a case for it, which I guess sort of does allude to my thoughts on the ending, which is when it finally does come around and be like, we learn that Denzel's character had, had accidentally killed one of the women that he was out searching to save. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something he's been living with. And, and it's all, it's all about sort of being haunted by your past and shame and guilt and like what this job can do to somebody. If you're left with sort of the, the remnants of the tragedies of the job. So when he does, uh, Denzel's Joe Deacon purchase sort of these fake hair barrettes and sends one to Baxter. I like that. It was sort of a subversion of what I expected of like, we're going to catch our guy and then have a courtroom scene where we see the jail door slam and like, you're in jail now, sucker. It was much more like, um, like a spiritual sort of like, I'm letting you off the hook. Here's the red barrette we found. You don't have to go through what I went through. Well, I think a bit of that too. And also it was Denzel's character needing to go to extreme lengths to close a case mm-hmm. that, that he never closed. And also like, you know, not leave things open ended and, and find justice for, you know, in his own mind for the, the girl that he murdered and then subsequently sure. covered up, which was kind of fucked up. Super fucked up. Yeah. Um, do you mean find justice for her by sort of letting like, like vicariously like totally like closing yeah. a case yes. for this guy might in some way redeem himself and Absolutely. also like the cases were very similar i guess so yeah you know, I, to like the point that i thought was, it might have been the same case yeah yeah that wasn't clear to me maybe i wasn't watching closely enough but well no they alluded to that a couple times when he's okay. like oh yeah. this 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 reminds me of a couple cases up north or whatever right okay yeah so my point being i really liked that i don't know that sort of ambiguous kind of ending like i think it's indicative of the way you might feel if you did sort of maybe accidentally kill an innocent person so for for deacon to let baxter off the hook by sending that barrette i thought was a really nice change in the genre but like i said earlier by the time we got there i was already so disenfranchised to this whole movie I was like i don't i don't really care anymore yeah no and like the only resolution we get is that denzel goes back and pets his dog like Okay. Yeah, and I then mean, there was that weird yeah. visit to his ex-wife's house. Like, yep. you're just being a fucking creep at that point. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was. I mean, I thought it was a weird move that he kicked the the fresh sort of wood shavings. But I get like, I guess maybe she's got. I was told. Well, she's got a new husband, and he's mad about him fucking with his yard. I guess seemed weird. Yeah, they talked about the new guy and how good he takes care of the yard. Were you not right. watching the movie? I was watching the movie, but I guess. I mean, I was, I watched it the whole time. Like I watched it as normal, but I, I was laughing more than usual at some of the dialogue. And maybe that was one of the lines that I kind of blocked You watched out. this with more people than just you, huh? Well, that's true. Yeah. But everybody was pretty, uh, pretty, uh, Who's it? had nice decorum. How many people? Uh, one, two, three, four, five total. You were distracted. No, I really wasn't. Mm, you didn't hear any of the dialogue about the new husband. No, I know there was a new husband. I was, I was saying that like, I guess he's mad that the guy's touching his yard. Like I didn't get why he kicked the the wood shavings. I don't get that. Because him and his wife just had a conversation about how much better that guy takes care of the yard. I guess. It just seems like an immature, like it's a weird, it was a weird move. Like he's an experienced tough detective, but he's going to throw a temper tantrum about, about some new wood shavings. I don't yeah, know. I mean, of all the weird choices in this movie, that's not really in my top 10, nope. but it also does qualify. It's a pretty weird choice. Yeah, yeah. My point was just adding on to yours. Like, there's a lot of those kind of weird sort of, like, yeah, why did he even go see her? And like, yeah. And like, why is he staying in that shithole motel? Don't know. That was weird. It was weird. A lot, a lot of, a lot of questions, a lot, a lot of weird decisions that led me to have more questions. Um, 
and overall just led me to not be satisfied watching this movie at all. Yeah, and my big thing is I also had those questions, but the reason I'm a three and not a four is that I don't really care if I ever get the answers. Yeah. Uh, if you have HBO Max, there's other things you should watch besides this. And don't get HBO Max just for this. Get it <laughs> for the fucking Godzilla versus King Kong that's coming out. When is that coming out? Uh, March or May. One of those two months that starts with M that are coming up. Y'all can bet your butts that Johnny's going to watch that as a flick pick. Oh, God. I'm going to push to have that be reviewed as the main movie. You're going to have to watch it first, and you'll have to convince me, but I'm open to it <laughs> after <right>. this. Cool. <laughs> well, that's the most fun I've had in 20 minutes since because we're talking about another movie. So I think we should put, uh, what is this called? Uh, crimey Little Thing? Crimey mm-hmm. Little Thing. Sure, yeah. We're going to put the, the little things to bed. It is available on HBO Max. If you see it, please let us know what you think. Um, maybe we're wrong. Maybe our collaborative threes are 3.8 for you, I suppose. Um, are incorrect and you're like no this is a refreshing call back to old crime thrillers and i i will say listen to our episode we disagree but to convince us otherwise shoot us an email if you want in the meantime johnny summers let's take a break we'll talk about the handlebar and we'll come back with beer number two and see if melvin can dig itself out of the weeds when i'm beat down from Hitting these streets and solving crimes and serial killers, keeping me up all hours of the night. I have to head down to the handlebar right here in Chico. I try to get down there for the happy hour between 2 and 6 so I can wash away the memories of my day job, keeping the public safe with happy hour cocktails and delicious food. Max, partner, I can't do this anymore. Tell them where it's at. The handlebar is located at 2070 East 20th Street right here in Chico. Happy hour, seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m., 2070 East 20th Street. Again, that's the handlebar right here in Chico. Go check them out. Winter in the mountains can be brutal, and sometimes you just need to find a cozy place to hunker down with a robust dark ale to warm your insides. Our Alpine crew knows this feeling well, and it was the inspiration behind our newest experimental series release. This bold, smoked imperial porter is pitch black in color with a beautiful tan head. The aroma kicks things off with notes of campfire, coffee, and chocolate, and then your palate is rewarded with more of the same rich, roasty flavors, along with a touch of dried stone fruit. Put on your preferred lounging gear, crack a cold can, and get into your own velvet rut. Johnny Summers, I know that you know this, but in case listeners don't, that is the description from the website of Melvin of their beer, Velvet Rut. It's an imperial smoked porter coming in at 8.5%. I did look up the definition of velvet rut. The only place it comes up is Urban Dictionary. And they say this, any locale, especially a smaller city, dare I say like Alpine Wyoming, with few opportunities for career advancement, that traps its inhabitants with its laid-back style. A slightly, maybe kinder definition is any enduring situation, especially professional, marked by some hardship, but for whose lush benefits a person nonetheless finds it difficult to extract oneself. It sounds like a very happy purgatory to me. You sounded like you cracked your beer. I'm wondering if you've poured it, and does it feel like a happy purgatory to you on the mouth? Uh, I just wanted to contribute a little bit about about uh, Velvet Rut and what that actually means. Uh, velvet Rut is an indicator of when a any antlered 
animal like deer or I believe elk or moose, uh, they shed the velvet of their horns to expose the like hard, bony, pointy parts and like the whole of it. Uh, you can find some really cool pictures online of deer shedding their velvet, and that is what starts the rut, which is the mating season of deer. Do you just know this? Yeah. That makes me so mad. I, I Googled, I was like, Urban Dictionary is going to know, and then you come in with some actual real knowledge that by looking at the can feels way more accurate than mine. Yeah, they look so cool too. Like when they the the velvet's coming off, they'll like rub their stick their head in a tree that their horns fit around and like just headbang, and their antlers get all bloody and like the velvet's hanging off of them like skin. It's really metal. That sounds right. Yeah, um, sounds right up your alley. Yeah, and that's the velvet shed is the the first stage of the rut. So wow. <clears throat> okay. Little, little fact factoids for you. Well, that's great, man. Um, so I'm pouring mine into my glass for the first time. It's looking basically like they described it. Um, not quite pitch black, actually. More of a a lightish brown as it's coming out of the can, but but yeah. a decent bit ahead. Pretty bubbly looking, um, and and relatively tan, I suppose. What what about you? Yeah, about the same. Lots lots of head. It's very like a thick, creamy head. It's like a nice nutty dark dark brown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got an interesting nose. You get a little bit of like the smoke on the nose. Yes. Uh, it's hard with an Imperial, like a smoked porter. Uh, like Alaskan smoked porter is way over the top. It right. tastes like goddamn barbecue sauce. Like <laughs> you need to cool it. Um, I'm not opposed to a smoked porter if it has a decent balance. I don't want to just taste smoke. So what I'm hoping for with this beer is something that has those notes of, you know, the, the roastiness, the chocolate, a little bit of nuttiness. Like they said, maybe some some dried stone fruit, like sure. some plums or pear or peaches. Something dry, like a raisiny maybe even. That's not a stone fruit, but it's similar. That's close enough. Um, yeah. But that's what I'm hoping for is to get those flavors and then just just like a dash of smoke. It does not need to be the star. It can be a complimenting member of this beer. That's what I'm hoping for. Have you tried it? Does it taste balanced to you? Is this a smoke bomb? Am I going to hate it? Please tell me what you think. I actually haven't. I was actually going to go and sort of do the same thing you were doing and, and talk about expectations because I'm not a huge fan in general of, of smoked beers. I also don't speak German, but I believe the traditional word is a, is a Rauschbier. Rauschbier. Yeah, Rauschbier. Um, I don't know that I can recall to mind any one that I've ever liked because so often that sort of smoky charred quality is the only thing that comes through. So- my hopes here, similar to yours, is that this is sort of a more balanced approach to do to a smoked beer. Again, it's eight and a half percent. It's a smoked porter. So I'm not looking for like the most viscous sort of uh, oily kind of beer. I'm hoping for like a light ish, um, toasty, smoky kind of thing. And and I don't know if, if it'll meet that mark. Like we said, we're putting kind of a lot on Melvin here after potentially two underwhelming beers. But I don't know. What, what do you think? Have you tried it? I have tried it. All right. Tell me some good news. I'm not mad at it. Okay, that's great. I, what a lovely I, turn. Yeah, I was super skeptical. Um, this strikes a lot of really enjoyable notes, and it's not overwhelmingly nasty smoke flavored. I'm getting a lot of roastiness and like even a little bit of dark chocolate. Not getting so much of of the fruit, but it's definitely like a, a smoky, roasty chocolate. Yeah. Okay, I, I can see that. Um, I have a question for you. I suppose it's a, it's a pairing question. What do you think this would pair well with? Hmm. Wow. Oh, maybe like, uh, what would this pair well with? Maybe some venison. 
some 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 grilled venison or maybe uh this is definitely I would pair this with savory definitely like this would I would eat this with like pot roast and carrots and potatoes Okay, scroll down to the bottom of your notes for a minute. I didn't quite hit the nail on the head, but I, I think that my brain is going the same place. I thought that you might say this would pair well with like a smoked, smoked meat. meat. Like No. Yeah, I don't think it would. Yeah, I think it'd be maybe too much smoke, huh? Just like yeah. too much of that sort of charred um, sort of vibe. Yeah, I, I think this is good, man. It's it's definitely better than I expected as well. Um, it's still too much. I still don't think this is going to win me over stylistically. Um, but there's definitely more than just sort of the, the smoky qualities. I've only had one sip. I'm going to go back for another, but... I don't know, off the cuff, fine with room to grow. Yeah, it's definitely a really good version of this style for me. Uh, I've I've had quite a few smoke porters, and this is one of the first ones that I've say what I'd actually enjoy. Like, it's pretty good. Like, I would, I would not be upset that I bought this can. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is this is drinkable. Like, I don't know. I think if you're buying a smoked porter, you're already like. I like smoky flavored stuff. Like I, you have to know what you're getting into with this, unless you've just never had one and you right. buy this by mistake. Um, but yeah, if you're buying this, you know what you're getting yourself into. And I think I knew what I was getting myself into. And I think this, my expectations were very low. So not to sound too impressed, but it definitely exceeded my low expectations. Yeah. I think the, my caveat here is since I didn't buy it, um, if, if your co-host buys this for you, he knows what he's getting you both into. Um, mm-hmm. I, so I had a second sip, did a full 180. I don't like this at all. No, no, I don't know, man. It's, I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like, I don't like the smoke thing. It tastes gross to me. It tastes like just like charred remains of perhaps a burnt body in a murder case. I don't know. It's, it's not for me. Um, there's zero sweetness from like, I don't know what the stone fruit nonsense is about. Don't get any of that. It's mostly heavy, smoky, charcoaly notes. And it's not for me. I think it's bad. I don't like this. All right. Now that said, again, stylistically, maybe it's fine, but this is a huge, huge personal dislike for me. Yeah. I think it's, it's got underlying nuttiness and like, it's got enough of those like brown ale qualities that are just enhanced with some smoke that I I think it's, I think it's enjoyable. I'm not going to say I love it. I think it's definitely enjoyable. I am for sure on the positive side of things. Okay. Now, now this, this negativity begs the question. Yeah. yeah. Do we bring into play the Nick land for locometer? I I do think it comes into play. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, really? I I don't know when the last time this happened was, but, um, and we talked about this recently, so we don't, we don't have to rehash it, but, um, yeah, I, 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 at this point I would, I would prefer to drink a four loco than drink this beer. Wow. Which is now, to say, yeah, go ahead. Wait, there's a there's there's levels to this shit, man. Okay. Would you let me pick your flavor of Four Loco and still prefer that over this beer? Here's my secret cap. They all taste the same to me. All the Four Locos so, more or less taste the same. There's a couple of exceptions, and I know that I th- I think that you know my palate well enough to like really get me with the worst one if you wanted to. But mm-hmm. I would say with the asterisk that I hope I catch you on a good day. But yeah, I'd let you pick. Okay. I would definitely drink this over a four loco. Yeah. So I, th- I think I kind of know where you're ending up uh, rating wise. Do you have more thoughts to add or should we just rate it? Uh, I think it's a well-balanced smoke porter. And if you like smoke porters, pick this up. Yeah. All right. Out of 10. That's, that's my out of 10 for me. That This is going to be a 
in the realm of smoke porters, I can't ever see myself giving a smoke porter a ten. That's that's just insane. You're, wait, you're, you're why are you even? Are you close to like? Are you even in the eights? Well, well, like I like I've said before, I judge beers stylistically. stylistically. Sure, sure, sure. This is probably the best smoke porter I've ever had. Does okay. that automatically make it a ten? No, it does not. I don't think this is a ten by far. I think this is probably the best smoke porter I've ever had. I've had maybe five or six. This is at the top of that pile. Okay. That definitely by default is not make it a 10. Um, but for what it's worth, yeah, best one I've I've ever had. And this is gonna be, it's got a rate pretty high. I feel like this is a this is like a six seven. Six point okay. seven. Six point seven. Um, well, let this be known. This is probably our largest sort of um not digression, but you know, distance between our ratings that we've had in a while. Because for me it's a two. Uh, no, thank you, sir. I will not have this again. I will not touch what's in my glass. This is gross. <laughs> I hate it. Um, I illogically am mad at you a little bit for picking it and that's not your fault and I, I shouldn't even be mad. So I'll, I'll stop, but just, just really, really unenjoyable. I don't think this is a style that should be brewed. I think it's gross. Knock it off and no, thank you. I suppose I feel strongly <sighs> about this. If you can't tell. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. You're My mouth tastes like a that, fucking ashtray. You're afraid of things that taste like manhood. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually hoping to cleanse my palate with some whiskey, so and maybe just a strip of leather. You know what you should do Tobacco. is chase chase this with scotch. Yeah, I actually don't have any scotch right now. I really, I'm, I'm, I have a scotch dearth in my home. I need to get some more. Well, you were kind of on the wagon there for a while, so I that's feel true. like that's that's waning a little bit, like uh, all things do. Yeah, well, the goal is January. And hope, hmm. hope, like, you know, no, for, the goal, no, you fuck. The goal was a lifestyle change that you hope stuck this time. Now your tune has changed to, well, it was just for January. No, 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 oh. I, no, no. The lifestyle <laughs> thing was to be established in January by drinking less. And then hopefully yes. I could, I could supplement the, the lack of drinking with better, uh, lifestyle habits, which I have done. Okay. Uh, so just the way you make that sound like, no, that was just for January. Like that, your tune changed. Real yeah. Quick. I mean, that's fair. Uh, Yeah. That's fine. Hey, man, I'm not judging you. I've made a career out of terrible life choices. So, like, <laughs> uh, you know, I live in the biggest, most shiny glass house. I yeah, am definitely enough. not the first one to throw a stone. Yeah. Uh, plus, you will forever look better in bicycle shorts than I do. Nobody looks good in bicycle shorts. You don't look bad. It's a terrible look. It's not. It's all squeezed. It's like wearing an Under Armour shirt. But you know, pants. Like, <laughs> yeah, but pants. <laughs> this is not. This is not my joke, but... Like, I feel like if you're going to get like liposuction or something and you just, they don't even need to use the marker. You just put on one of those shirts and they're like, obviously that's what we're going to take care of. Yeah. You know, exactly. Just stick the hose right through the shirt. Just right there in that little sort of pocket. Suck it Mm -hmm. on out. Um, (laughs) Gross. um, So Melvin, you can use all of that for promo. You can cut it off right about here. Um, Unless you have more to add, Johnny, do you? Melvin's going to want nothing to do with not a, Not a bit, episode. which is why they didn't respond to our email, which really uh, miffed me. Well, I mean, honestly, from your perspective, I can see you not wanting to have anything to do with them. So yeah, tit, tit for tat, motherfucker. Yeah, all right. Velvet Rut from Melvin. It's a 6.7 uh, for Johnny. It's a 2 for me. We also did Back into Haze at the top of the show. 4.2 for Johnny. 3 for me. Um, Get Melvin around Chico if you want. Can't say that Combined. I recommend it. I can't say Combined. that Johnny recommends it either. <laughs> Combined, Melvin got a seven points from you today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a great day for for craft beer in my world. But that's not to say it's something that bothered me this week. I've actually had a bit of a week with bothered, but um, 
I would offer it to you if you'd like to go first. What's got you hot and bothered, my friend? Which is to say, because of the new button. Do you want to jump to hot and bothered? I do. Hit the button. Johnny Summers, what what has you hot and bothered this week? Uh, like all weeks, I've I've been watching things and I've been listening to things. I listen to lots and lots of things. Uh, you like the record first, so I will tell you what record I've been listening to this week. It is the 2017 Queens of the Stone Age album, Villains. I had previously disregarded this album due to its pretty far distance from anything they've ever done as far as like just overall sound and vibe. Um, Because when this came out in like 2017, I think I was at a different place musically. Um, And I'm enjoying a, a lot of different things now. And it's like, it's important for me to be able to respect and appreciate bands when they grow and change as they get older sure, uh, and like write different things. There's something to be said about bands that never change. Yeah, there is. There's also something to be said about bands that kind of evolve and just start working with different people and just incorporate different sounds and vibes. And yep. when you play like a, a very specific type of music, I feel like uh, expectations are pretty high. And when that expectation isn't met, an album will just get disregarded. And for me, that was yeah. the case with villains. Uh, it didn't have the same grungy, nasty, tight as a drum groove, riff driven, hard rock, mel- melodic rock type vibe. Right. It was way more like, poppy and almost disco-y in spots like there were synthesizers there there was a lot more things happening but since it's released i've I've familiarized myself with a lot of different music and um this album looking back now i should have been way more into it but it's produced by mark ronson oh sure who's an who's an amazing producer he's worked with everybody uh and just is like kind of got the Midas touch when it comes to getting involved with projects and just making them sound overall really cool. Um, he definitely has a style, but it, it translates in a way that marries the Queens of the Stone Age's style with his input into this kind of new thing that's really right in between. And it's just so groovy and so fun, but still got that edge and that sarcasm of writing that Josh Hame has. Um, if you're sleeping on villains from 2017, because it doesn't sound like the rest of the Queens of the Stone Age albums, I think you should knock that ignorant nonsense off and give this album a re-listen because it's gosh darn enjoyable. Nice, man. Yeah. I, I, we talked about this. I think that was bonus content today too, right before we started. I used to listen to Queens of the Stone Age a bit, um, but I, I haven't heard that album, so I'll, I'll be sure to check it out. Yeah, I think you'd like it. They're definitely on my radar all the time. Uh, they're one of the bands that I've got almost all their vinyls. I think the album uh, Songs for the Deaf is mm. quite possibly the definitive rock and roll album of my generation. All right. I will I will have a debate with anyone about that. I was arguing drunkenly with Keith Beck about this one time. Oh, it was great because that dude's like toured with Black Sabbath and like knows music in and out. Like yeah, we've had old. some fantastic conversations about music and <laughs> yeah. he's, you know, been involved, like he's been deeply involved with the music industry. So it's right. fun. But like, I think for my money's worth for my generation, like albums that were released while I was alive, uh, that one's probably at the top. All right. Fair enough. You mentioned uh, you'd also been watching something. I'm always watching stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
kind of in between shows right now. There's a couple shows that I want to start on HBO Max. I'm looking at rewatching Euphoria with Shalina, and I'm also looking. Oh, at I'm sorry. Starting. Have you watched? Have you watched the the two special episodes? I haven't yet. Okay, I watched one. I, maybe I'll talk about that in a second. Go ahead. Okay, I want to watch both of them. I just haven't. Yeah. I might just rewatch the whole first season and then watch both those with her. Um, but haven't jumped into any, and it was kind of a party vibe weekend with just the two of us, as party as it could be, being the Super Bowl this last weekend right. and stuff. Um, so when I'm in between shows, a lot of the times what will happen is I'll just play video games until I'm tired of playing Borderlands, and yeah. then I will just start going down YouTube rabbit holes. And one of my favorite YouTube subscriptions is Maddie Matheson. He is a celebrity chef slash crazy person. Okay. Um, I've had several people tell me that like, this sounds kind of like cock to say, but it's not really like I've had a couple of homies say like, he kind of reminds me of you. Like you're kind of, he's your spirit animal, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I like his personality. He's very brash, loud, obnoxious, just covered in tattoos, very overweight, very much. You're not. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I, I identify. I'm, I'm just, a little. I'm just going to sit here for so long before I start letting you defame yourself like that. Okay. He's way fatter than me, but like. Just saying. It's, okay. All right. It's like, I'm not in that realm, but like, I get it. He's a chubby dude covered in tattoos. Kind of looks like me. We have a very similar facial So structure. he's handsome. I, yeah. Okay. He's sexy as fuck. Great. Um, but he put out a cookbook called Homestyle Cookery, and it was all specifically to be cooked at home, simple recipes. And then he's got a really crazy show called Just a Dash, where he does ridiculous food, like fancy stuff, old recipes that he used to do. All kinds of stuff, but it's just a really fun cooking show. It's not like any cooking show you've ever seen. He was on Vice, and he was like, even Vice was a little too controlling, so he took all of his content exclusive okay. to YouTube, yeah. okay. so he can just do his own thing. Uh, it's really fun. I like him. He's a one, probably my favorite celebrity chef, uh, so I really enjoy his videos, and if you're looking for a YouTube rabbit hole to go down, and you like food and cooking and giggling, I think uh, any of Maddie Matheson's shows would be good for you. So I know you like cooking. Sometimes when you're cooking, you drink out of a glass. Do you have a pint glass, Max? I've been known to drink out of a pint glass. More effectively and more exciting is when I get to drink out of a pint glass that has our information on it. Now, at this point- Like our addresses? No, (laughs) just our socials. At this point in time, there's only two pint glasses in existence that I know of that say Fresh Hop Cinema. You and I have talked many a time about remedying this. Mm Mm-hmm. So I reached out to, we'll say a friend, um, because this friend posted something on Facebook that they had recently started sandblasting images onto pint glasses. And I thought, oh, that's, hey, you know, big fan of pint glasses. Can you do our logo on that pint glass? Um, this is a bothered, by the way. Uh, so like we, we were chatting back and forth for a minute and then like sort of not, not by any means haggling. Um, just like talking about the logistics of what it would be to ship glasses from a place to here and how many we'd need and, and that sort of thing. Um, everything was going very smoothly. And then a couple days ago at four 30 in the morning, I woke up to a barrage of Facebook messages that started middled and ended with sort of character attacks at me, making me feel like I was taking advantage of this person, um, in a number of creative ways. And it was uh, upsetting a bit. Johnny, I told you this. I sent you the screenshots of this conversation. Um, 
it just really rubbed me the wrong way. Like it, it, I, I even responded to the first sort of volley with like fully devil's advocate, like, Hey, maybe this was my bad. Like, I didn't mean to make you feel like this. This is kind of where I was coming from. And, and if, if that's how it came off, I'm really sorry. We can, we can do whatever works for you. I'm not trying to, you know, yank your chain and trying to rip you off. Like let's, let's go from here. And that didn't take. So just like, you don't, you, you don't know what it's like to have a specific field of expertise where you need to have particular equipment and a skill set. And in my brain, I'm like, I mean, I, I, I would argue that I do for music. <laughs> um, and all you want to do is take advantage of artists. So good luck fucking somebody else in the ass, like not totally verbatim, but very close. Um, and it really rubbed me the wrong way. And I couldn't go back to sleep. So I woke up at 5 a.m. and just got up that day. So that ruined my day because I was so tired. Um, mm -hmm. And and of course, the initial reaction is just to be like, fuck me, fuck you. And like, I don't know. It doesn't get you anywhere. So what this conversation ended up doing for my brain long term is basically was just to serve as like a nice reminder. Like people have their own stuff going on and it's mm. almost positively not about me. So I'm going to do my best just to stay true to who I want to be and not be a jerk and be like, look, sorry, I wasted your time. I wish you all the best. Good luck. Exactly. I think because, I mean, yeah. yeah, for the record, everything that was said between you and that person, they were way off base. Thank and you. like I, I told you, and I'm going to say it publicly, uh, is it was very upsetting because they were pretty much accusing you of being the exact opposite of who I know you to be as a person. Thank you for saying that. And that would really just rub anyone the wrong way because you're the last person that would ever want to fuck over a, a local artisan yeah. because, <laughs> God on. damn it, you are one. Yeah, dude. Like, Jesus Christ, really? So it was just a bunch of willful, willful ignorance and uh, you know extrapolation by any means necessary on their part. And I feel like uh, most angry messages at 4 a.m. are not done in the clearest of mind. Agreed. So like you said, People got their own shit going on. Don't don't let them break you, and don't let them bring out that vile stuff. That's not you. Yeah. So kudos to you for not blowing your top. Thanks, man. Like I probably would have done. Um, I don't because think yeah, so. like they're already accusing you of being something you're not. Don't don't go don't be the thing. Don't do it. Don't prove them right. Totally. Exactly. So good job on you. Like I celebrate your power in not becoming who you're not. Thanks, man. The the silver lining in all of this is that it has reignited the fire that I had about getting some pint glasses. Like you and I, Johnny, were going back and forth briefly about um, getting some done. Like you sent me a link and it was one that I've explored in the past. So maybe we'll just do it. Um, yeah. If anybody listening has thoughts on that, once a pint glass, let us know. Uh, I think we'll probably end up doing sort of a pre-order sort of thing. Um, if anyone's a local artisan that wants to make them, you yeah. can shove it up your butt. We're going to do uh, <laughs> this as corporately as possible and get sure, them done sure. very cheaply and mass manufactured, <laughs> yeah. preferably from China. Sure, man. Um, I, I, I don't care about making money on these either. Like, I'd love to break even. I think we'll probably yeah. give discounts to people in Patreon where we eat a little bit of that cost. But who cares? Because you guys or make you'll our just show get one. Or you'll just get one. Yeah. Um, very lastly, then, am I hot and bothered? Since we were talking about Euphoria, I will mention it. There are two at this point, kind of new episodes. I think they came out two or three weeks ago. Um, and they are more or less titled Euphoria, colon, uh, Rue, and Jules, respectively. Um, and I've only seen Rue, and that's the one with Zendaya. And it's a conversation. The entire episode is a conversation. It's like an hour and 15 minutes long that takes place at a diner between her and her uh, her drug sponsor. What is it if it's not AA? Her just, or just her sponsor, huh? Yeah. Um, 
and I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head. If you would be kind enough to look that up, I would appreciate it because he deserves a shout out. And he was in If Beale Street Could Talk. We both, Coleman Domingo's his name. I just thought of it. Um, okay. And the whole thing is sort of this back and forth between them talking about sort of life and the purpose and addiction and, um, you know, euphoria stuff, but sort of diluted to be less of like a drug trip party montage into just a legitimate sort of thoughtful conversation, which I thought was a refreshing touch, but it could get boring, I suppose. Also much easier to pull off during COVID. Right. I meant to say that about, um, about Malcolm and Murray. Uh, like it's very <laughs> clear. This was a, a COVID made movie, which I also appreciated. Like they worked with what they had and, and made it happen. Totally. So that's what I got. Um, do you have anything else in the, in the vein of hot and bothered? Uh, I'm excited for next week's movie. So no, I'm done with hot and bothered and I want to get onto the sneak preview of what's coming next week. Okay. Next week on the show, we're back to 2020 films. We're covering one that I have long been anticipating promising young woman. It's the directorial debut from director Emerald Fennel starring Carrie Mulligan. She plays Cassie Thomas, a woman hell bent on avenging her best friend who was a victim of rape. Um, it's not available for free anywhere. You can rent it on Amazon prime voodoo, YouTube, wherever you want. It's, I think it's 1999. Uh, highly encourage people to check it out. It's making a lot of waves in the awards season circuit. If that means anything to you, if not, and you're just like me and you like Carrie Mulligan from inside Lewin Davis or drive, definitely seek it out. Um, that episode will be coming to your feeds next Friday. Johnny Summers, what are we drinking to accompany that movie? Yeah, I haven't picked out specifically which ones yet, but there are uh, a bunch of beers available from Hen House Brewing in Petaluma to us in Chico yeah. that are real super fresh. So I'm going to be picking out two of those, and we're going to be fucking, <laughs> fucking highlighting Hen House on the show next <laughs> Dude, week. Dude, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, I noticed them. I was in uh, checking out some beers. I, I was at Spikes, but I'm sure they're also at SNS or any reputable bottle shop. But there's a bunch of new Hen House stuff. We've covered them on the show a few times over the past couple of years, and they always deliver, um, if if not stylistically satisfying. Um, at least ambitious beers. I know I've had a few where I'm like, yeah, it's well-made not for me, but I think most of the time I'm like, this is really good. So I'm super yeah. stoked. I think it's a really good call that you made uh, for us revisiting them. You said it's been about nine months since we covered yep. them. So yeah, more than, more than enough time to revisit a great brewery. I think. Exactly. The hen house baby has been gestating. The egg has hatched nine months later. Here we are reviewing them again. Per usual, this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. If you'd like to support this show, check us out on Patreon. You can give us four bucks a month, keep the show running, help us buy or beers. More, or more. Or you more. You definitely Whatever give like more. Do, bare minimum. Uh, it's not just an only content. a $4 tier. <laughs> you can give us 40 bucks a month. There have been some angels over the past few years that do that. It really helps us out. You can also, if you don't feel like giving us cash, just rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you want. Tell a friend about the show. That's really the way this sort of stuff keeps going. Uh, pimp us out to your friends. Be like, hey. Or steal their phones, steal their phones and be like, I'm going to steal your phone to rate and review this podcast. And if they say no, they are not your real friend. I think that's a, a yeah. really important thing to remember. 100%. Johnny Summers, any final thoughts? Nope. Okay. Until next Friday, have a great week, everybody. Drink a good beer, watch a good movie, and we'll talk to you then. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.